Welcome to BetterCast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 8, titled Fifi. Uh, I think we there's no mystery around Fifi. No. Nope. Uh, painted in big, bold letters across the side of a plane. Yes, sir. This episode. So, not a lot to question in the title. Uh, what do you think of it? Uh, you know, I really liked it. I think it might be, I want to say one of the better, like definitely in the top three episodes of this season. Okay. Uh, but And I, I feel like the mailbag was mostly positive, but uh-huh. on the forums, sharply divided. There's some people really getting frustrated with, you know, perceived pacing issues and yeah. flip-flopping on Jimmy's part, which I, I, I mean, I can kind of see the point, but I'm not understanding because I'm liking it. Flip-flopping on Jimmy's part. Yeah. I'm... I think it's just a frustration from, like, I was identifying the realization that this entire season is a bit of a waffle. And now we're getting down to business. It looks this feels like it's rounding and about. It's like oh, another Chuck betrayal. Oh, we didn't see this. It's a little well, bit like making gonna, a run on the Death Star too. If you thought there wasn't going to be a battle between Jimmy and Chuck this season, I don't know what show you think you were watching season one. But it is pretty much the same thing that's happened last year. But do you expect? The only I know you're different. playing devil's advocate for the yeah, forum yeah, yeah. people, but uh, uh, my uh, question to them would be, do you expect a battle, a war to be won or lost in a single battle? No, of course not. Yeah. Do you expect a long, protracted sort of and, encounter? And, and like, I would say that the difference is what we go... We went into last season blind as far as, you know, Chuck and Jimmy's relative positions on things and what they right. thought about each other, where this... We've been informed, perhaps misinformed, over the season and last season about their intentions. So mm-hmm. there is, well, I mean, I don't think Jimmy ever did anything this vicious to Chuck last uh, season, last like season, deliberately no. setting up no. him up for a fall because he didn't know that Chuck was capable of these things. Now he does, yeah. and we see he's, he's fighting against it. I say vicious because I think that you know what Chuck did to Jimmy and Kim is is pretty bad too. But I thought oh, yeah. it was great, and I think for the first time in a long time, they really nailed the Jimmy-Mike mixture. They got that fuel-air okay. ratio just right for maximum combustion. I think so. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed this episode a lot. It does feel like part one of a two-parter, honestly. Mm. Like, none of the stuff that's set sure. up is really resolved. You're right. Um, it's all kind of waiting for next episode. Maybe even episode 10, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I'm... If history bears uh, any repeating here, 209 is going to be an explosive episode. I thought it was odd that they chose to show a first-person view of the hose getting drilled through with, with, with nails. Like, I'm in suspense. You know, which end did the hose get it? Did the whole hose get it? Oh, the whole various hose sections? Got I mean, the whole hose. I mean, why, why let me leave me hanging for six days on that, Vince? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that scene when we get there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, overall, I, I like this episode. I thought it... You know, there were some funny parts that the whole Fifi thing I thought was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. And you can see the gears turning on Jimmy's plan, right? He's going to make a name for himself somehow. Somehow. I'm not really sure exactly how he's going to do it. It seems like this could be the beginning of a Better Call Saul commercial, like an official you know, he's not going to be Saul yet, yeah. but that's going to be the style of it. Like, uh, come, yeah. if, if you're old and elderly and you need sure. help, come to me. Like, I'm the one, I'm, I'm the one about elder, elder, elder care elder or whatever. Yeah. Elder law. Uh, okay. Let's get into the recap. Yeah. Yeah. We start off with a, a quote unquote one 
I guess is what they call these. Yeah. These, these long take single shot scenes mm-hmm. um, of the border crossing where they are inspecting an ice cream truck. They don't find anything in it and they let the driver go. And then once he's across the border, he stops on the side of the road and he, he grabs a gun from a lockbox that's hidden under a rock. And it becomes apparent, given the number of popsicle sticks there, that he does this a lot. Sure. This is not his first trip across the border. Not his first stop to pick up a gun. Uh, did you do any digging on this regalo helado thing? Uh, it means uh, the frozen treat. Or no, I'm sorry, the frozen gift. Yeah. Which I thought, I, I'm, I'm, I'm chewing this over with my high school Spanish, and I'm thinking, would a better translation be the frozen treat, but then the actual logo is a gift wrap? Okay. Package with a bow on it. Well, like, no, I guess it go. is the frozen gift. I don't think this is a real company. I, no, I looked. I no did some googling way. and I saw some like. There's no regalo way. Regalo any... stuff, but it's all like, like you said, right. ice cream treats wrapped in sure. ribbons and shit. Sure. So. I I can't believe that there'd be even a Mexican company uh-huh. uh, with cartel ties that would be com- would would put, would be comfortable with having their pro- product used to smuggle whatever it is they're smuggling. I mean. What, my guess on this is that this is a prototype of what eventually develops into the Gus operation. Okay, yeah. With the, we know that he transports chicken in these, or uh, maybe this is how they get it across to Mexico, and then they distribute it. Uh, you know, once they get it from Mexico into New Mexico, they distribute it using Gus's batter technology. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out which way this operation is going right now because we know the cartels in Mexico, right? Yeah. We know, given what we know in Breaking Bad, there is some cooking being done in the U.S. of, of meth and stuff and such later on, and I don't think that's happening right now. Well, and even small scale, there's like artisanal batches being made by right Crazy Eights and Emilio and those kind of guys. So, what is this truck here to do? Because clearly, they don't find anything in the truck in this first scene. And I think he that, goes to the taco shop or whatever, and drops do you agree off boxes. That the, the whole point of the wonder is to show what a thorough, yes, like machine the border, which I don't know of his actual fact, but they're suggesting that not much gets past these guys. And, and when you think about it, you know, all they do is they check the underside, they go in, they open one box, and they're done. Yeah, like they, they x-rayed like four or five boxes. They did. They did some x-rays. So they took samples. You know, you can't check the whole truck. Um but yeah, I think you're right. That was kind of the point of that scene. So I don't think there's anything in that truck when he goes through. There, he doesn't have a I gun tr- on him. Like, yeah, but I'm trying to think of like, let's say that you took like 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 Superman ice cream. Superman ice cream, the one I'm familiar with, is a multicolored blend of shitty shitty ice cream yep. with like frozen gum in it or something like that. That looks on an X-ray identical to what if you had like the same Superman mix only with a bunch of meth in it, right? <laughs> And like, if there, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just saying right, that like, I honestly what, don't know. What would be the difference between Rocky Road and ice cream mixed with meth? And okay. if there's a process where they just open up the things, melt the things, recover the meth. So are you saying that this guy goes through border crossing and then gets high and, well, and drives no, down I the road I, and grabs his gun? Because he eats I, I one of the. I think the big tubs, industrial tubs of ice cream, like you would ship to a uh, Baskin Robbins or a Cold Stone Creamery. That's where the product. The individual box stuff that that's the shrink wrapped and it's the stick stuff, presumably meth free. Okay, I mean they got to sell some of this shit, right, to make it look legit. Yeah, sure. Like uh, not every not every bucket of batter had the meth in it, you know. No, of course, just the ones with the stamps, the exactly. stamps, exactly. Uh, so I, I'm going to say there's nothing in this truck. I know there could be, but yes. to me, it felt like he was literally just dropping ice cream off of this taco shop. 
Yes. And he's got an arrangement with Hector, who uses the taco shop for meeting, to do something else, to transport something back to Mexico, maybe What I cash. don't get is when they Could both drove into the garage at the end, you hear various like pneumatic tools, like they're breaking this shit. Right. But both both vehicles go in, so... And the trunk's opened on Hector's car. I think it's cash. I want to say they load that thing up with cash. They stuff it mm. in the tires. They drive it back across the border to... I could see that. From That's their, how they actually operation. get the money back to Mexico. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. But I could knows. definitely see that. Um, before we head on, I want to talk... Because when I saw this one shot, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, this had to be a drone. And, you know, I've been excited about drone technology ever since I watched the last few uh, seasons of Mythbusters where they've really gone all out. And they've essentially replaced all their dolly tracking and crane shots with, with drone stuff. Mm. Um and I'm like, oh, this has got to be a dr- – there's no way. And I posted on a forum something to that effect, and our buddy Shane Bowman, who uh, runs the Heisenberg Chronicles on Tumblr, said no. In fact, it was a yeah. steady it's, – it's, and I think they did this one other time in Breaking Bad, but it's a steady cam guy that steps on and off this big weighted crane. Yeah. And they mentioned on an Insider podcast that it's counterbalanced because it has to be, mm-hmm. and that when he steps off, another guy has to step on at the exact same time, and if they get it the timing wrong, like you get a slingshot effect. So yeah. it's like, and you can even tell, like I think when you see him step on and off, it wobbles just a little bit because he's only human after all. Right, right. And I'm wondering, I, I, I kind of, I, I, I hope the next season I see them do something like this with a, a drone shot just to try it out. Although I, they yeah, seem to I mean, really love the old stuff. They they do. I, I think they like like their methods. Um, like listening to Vince and Peter talk about this 70-year-old yeah. crane that might have been used in... What was the inspiration for the shot? It was uh, Orson, Touch of Evil by the, Orson Welles. Yeah. And it's like, who knows? It might have even been used in the same one or at the border crossing. And like right. that gets them... Je- just like Tarantino filming those old... Those super seventies or whatever, he, uh, they, they, they love it. Yeah, no, I. They talk about filming with red dragons. And I don't know how big those red cameras are, the, specifically the dragon model. But well, can, can yeah. drones operate those yet? Because I, I, I know the drone cameras are always real small, right? And they have decent resolution, and they're they're good for hobbyists. But they haven't been. I mean, like, they can do like the black yet. magic rigs. But I, the question right. I have to you is, how big can you build a drone? Right. Like I think sure. you could build like essentially but you could, a lethal drone that could that could carry a whatever size camera you wanted to. Right. Right. But you got to be able to fit it in that building. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. It can't be too huge, but That's true. And maybe, you know, drones are more powerful as far as their lifting capacity than I think, but But you're right. To get the I mean to, to get a full like film, you couldn't probably do it digitally. Yeah, well, there are a lot of digital effects in this. So sure. they talked about that in the the insider cast. Are those Red Dragons were, digital? Uh, I think so. Yeah, because if it's digital, I, I don't. I can't digital. imagine how heavy a camera, a digital camera. Like I imagine the most heavy components are like the glass and the battery. Right. Yeah. Because if you're not dealing with reels of celluloid, mm-hmm. I would think that like 50 pounds, you could build oh, a drone that could lift 50 pounds easily. Yeah. Uh, but th- there is a lot of other CG. That there are a lot of trucks in here that are just completely computer generated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they removed like fences and towers, all sorts of stuff that they couldn't. Right. That the location had on site, and they didn't want to use, and couldn't right. couldn't block out in in the right shots. Sure. So uh, uh, lots of CG effect. Like half, I guess the top half of that whole structure was just something else entirely. And interesting because it wasn't airport. Over it. Yeah, because obviously, like post nine eleven, you can't get a border agency to be like, "Hey, we want to set up a whole bunch of shit and do a one tracking and shut you down for a whole day." Yeah, um, and they talk about a lot of this stuff on the Insider Cast. So if you want to hear 
more in-depth stuff, go listen to that. Uh, it's real I, good. I, also, I think that... that did you get a thrill of Villigan's obsession with insects with the beetle shot and the spider shot in the <laughs> credit sequence? That's right. Uh, he loves that yeah, shit. He does. He loves the beetles and the spiders, man. Yep. Squash they suggest innocence to him. And then the other thing that really makes this scene great to me is the Dave Porter soundtrack. I mean, this is an original track by Dave Porter. It's six yes. minutes long. Uh, and it just it keeps you in that moment. Like I could see, because this isn't and he, true and, and detective, also, right? This he is... turns us around like within a week. That's something we learned in an interview <laughs> right. with him a couple years back. That he gets yeah. essentially seven working days to get a score done for any. And you know, I imagine some episodes are like, oh wow, I kind of get the thing off. I can just kind of do you know. But this, uh, it's like he sees this, like wow, six minutes got to fill six minute airtime with synth synth music, <laughs> mm. right? And it takes me back to you know season one where Mike was doing his his money heist yeah um where he was trying to get into the kettleman's house sure uh that was real cool this is real cool and it i don't know i i really love his music uh when he when he does this stuff uh and then they use also the glass bottom box shot oh yeah with the gun in the, the, in the breaking bed signature that is transparent bottom yep they use that on the bathtub and yep i, re- I remember that shot vividly Trunks. i mean like if you need oh, to yeah. see the bottom of something and and uh and the you, character at the same time sure Sure. If you want to see a person's face in the toilet, that's like it's, you just get it, you build a transparent room. Right. They did that a few times. Uh, okay, let's move on. Jimmy and Kim are celebrating their new venture at the doghouse, and Jimmy advises her to try to take Mesa Verde um, away from HHM before Howard realizes what's going on, because he says, "Look, he's going to try and do everything he can to keep them." And he will. And he will. Yeah. Uh, and Kim here says, "No, look. I'm the whole point of this is I'm going to do things my way. You're going to do things your way. It, is this? This feels like it's going to be a constant tension between them. Like Jimmy trying to push her to the dark side, her resisting, and probably vice versa. I don't think right. that this is going to be a one way street. It's probably going to be her like, holy shit, this is what you're doing. You broke yeah. onto an air force base with a fake war hero, and this <laughs> right. I can imagine. So they're sharing the same office, right?" So then Kim goes over to Oh, ABQ before we move on, oh, if, yeah. if you get a chance to go to ABQ, do stop by the doghouse. Oh, yeah. We went to the doghouse. Best chili dog in these United States, in my opinion. I've had them everywhere. I've had them all <laughs> okay. over. It, it was good. I, uh, I forget exactly what I had. I definitely had a chili dog. I think I had two. The thing is, is like if you've had a chili cheese burrito from Taco Bell, mm-hmm. imagine that minus tortilla plus hot dog and a bun. With maybe a little more spice to yeah, it. Yeah, it's probably slightly. definitely a little bit of spice, but that's the. Yeah. The, 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 you know, because you hear chili dog, it's like you can have the cinnamon flavored meat water nightmare that the Cincinnati regions. Yeah. You can get the, like, the, the heavy bean mixture that some of the Southwest, you can get, like, just what's essentially sloppy Joe's that you get, like, on the East. But uh-huh. this is, that's that. This is what the, the chili dog you're, go, you're, you're getting into if you're going to the doghouse. Yep. Uh, Kim delivers her resignation to Howard, and when she says that she's going solo, Howard tells her about how he wanted to do that once, but his dad kind of roped him into HHM. I like this glimpse in his soul, yeah. or lack thereof. Uh, as soon as she leaves his office, Howard calls Mesa Verde, and Kim rushes back to her office to call Paige to tell her the news before Howard can weasel in. I think the scenes of her sprinting in high heels might be more impressive than the one <laughs> Because like, I turned uh, to my girlfriend, I'm like, that's like almost impossible to move that quickly in, in th- those kind of heels, and she did confirm... Uh, I imagine, yeah. And just, you got a lot of sense of speed out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did you come away thinking about Howard in this 
because we've we had a lot of speculation on what the, the yeah. H's are and whether it's an older brother. Seems like it's a pretty much father son operation. Yeah, I think that was my operating theory was that you know Chuck and and Howard's dad had started the, the firm and then Howard had been brought into it later, and that's kind of the power imbalance you see there. Yeah, is, is and I don't we don't know where. Howard's father is. He might not be around anymore. Sounds... Uh, I mean, we've never met him. Right. And, you know, he's in a high-stress job, and him and Chuck are of an age where you could go really Or anytime. he could be retired in Bali. Who who the fuck knows, yeah, right? It could be. <laughs> the way... I don't know. The way he's talking about him, I get a little bit... I mean, there's a, there's some sad wistfulness coming across from Howard. Yeah. Uh, like, the, you know, that he was this up-and-coming idealistic lawyer that wanted to change the world. Like, was he going to be... A public defender? Was he going to be a defense attorney? Was he going to work for constitutional law? Was mm-hmm. he going to clerk for the Supreme Court? I don't know. All I know is he, he got dead-ended as the second banana in H&M. Yeah, it's... so Which explains his subservient role to Chuck. Absolutely. Yeah. He grew up probably idealizing his old man's partner and, you know... And Chuck's naturally going to have more say as... The more senior partner, I assume, and yeah. he's super arrogant. So he's and and also, right, is not just arrogant, but it's the, you know, the casual flexing of power. Like you see a person that's not just standing around doing nothing, and hey, uh, go fix me coffee. Like he's that way, and I feel like that he's almost subconsciously trained Howard uh, to to be to to be the role that he that he's in. Okay, I can buy that. I, th- there's a certain. So, uh, tragedy is probably uh, too strong of a word to being Howard Hamlin, I think. Um, well, his it, his quilted neckties are a tragedy <laughs> for sure. Right. Who do you think came up with Hamlin to go? Hamlin to go blue. Oh, that's that's definitely Is that Howard. dad or is that, nah, that's, that's Howard? That's, that's a Howard innovation. Okay. Yeah. Look, dad, we got to brand this thing. Sure. Like HM is decent, but yeah. you got to get rid of the green. Yep. We got to get Hamlin to go. Uh, Plus, it's a way to dig against the Jimmy or, or the McGill because uh, it's not Ham Mick Lindigo, right? It's just Ham Lindigo. That's mm. uh, I, I feel like there's a little bit of uh, you know champing at the bit, uh, straining against the leash here, where he acts out, but only in in ways that won't give him too much trouble, right? And Chuck could give a shit about what what color blue the logo is. Sure, <laughs> I, I could buy that. Uh, but but you know the the tragedy being Howard here the the idea that when he was young he might have wanted to do something different um, and got railroaded into this and you know he's a successful lawyer he's got a lot of money obviously uh, he's he's been successful in his career but maybe it's not everything he wanted it to be like you could just because someone's successful and rich and powerful doesn't necessarily mean they're happy and mm. oftentimes maybe they're not yeah. Uh, no. But but then again, it's always the path not taken, right? The the grass is always greener on the other side. So everybody kind of looks back and said, oh, well, I'm successful. I could have done this, could have done that, though. Maybe I'd be happier. Who knows? Uh, so I don't think Howard, like, is being disingenuous in this scene, right? I think he does look fondly back on that time and yeah. wishes maybe that he had struck out on his own. I totally buy it, yes. I, I think he's telling the truth here. And he has admiration for Kim. I think so. And yeah. admiration for Jimmy. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, bootstrapping is, is a thing that he, you know, is is not not prone to do himself, but wishes he might have been able to do. What would you think of the line where he says, Kim, I want you to know that I always pushed you harder because I knew I could expect more from you. 
because I had a couple thoughts on that. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, number one, that sounds like something he heard from his dad a lot. Okay. Uh, number two, like I kind of roll my eyes on that because as a recipient of that from several management people, uh, my response, that I've, I've never actually trotted this out, if I ever won the lottery, that's what I'd, I'd say, but I'd like... Uh, well, that's great, but how about you hire more competent, you know, teammates around? Like, instead of pushing your superstars super hard, can you surround us with better role players? Well, maybe because that's yeah. that's if you if you the, the times I've really been pushed are when I've been uh, assigned with people that I thought were better than me, right? Because I don't right. want to be shown up by anybody. Yeah, uh, there can only be one MVP though. Sure, but like one. I feel like that there's there can only be one true MVP, but there should yeah. be five or six people that maybe think they are. You put Michael Jordan on the dream team, and well, you know who the MVP is. But yeah, but you think Charles Barkley awesome was going to be? Oh yeah, fuck my Mike's the best. I right. no, he every single time that they'd play scrimmage, he would you know he wanted to be like Mike. He's going to drive it down his throat and try to you know, and he's always going to have the time where he stole the ball or so. Yeah, right. I feel like that's the better like to create challenges through um, friendly competition rather than just running a slave shop on one particular person. Uh, it sounds like you listened to the Insider cast this week. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Howard calling Mace Verde like right after Kim leaves the office. Oh, I, yeah, I don't Is think that that's Dirty Pool. Is that a shit weasel move? No. no. That's playing no. the game. And Kim knew it. Like how, That's the thing. Like Jimmy knew it, and his idea was to subvert it. Kim knew it, and her idea was to out-hustle it. So, like, one... I I get the impression she didn't know it until, literally, until he makes that phone call and she hears it. Hmm. I think that she was basking in the afterglow of this praise from her boss that was very rare and coming, and she, you know, was shocked and remembering, oh, shit. Because she'd already booked the lunch meeting. So, like, she'd taken, like, some ethical... You know, she'd already had the, the 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 plans laid in for lunch and was confirming them. So it's not like she was caught flat-footed, but... Well, I think the t- the impression I got about that lunch meeting is that it was already set because she's meeting with an HHM client. Like, that wasn't her taking a meeting on the side. That was a planned HHM meeting uh, that she was just going to meet and discuss strategy for their, their banking but she, firm. But she set that meeting, yeah, and she knew about that meeting. Before all this shit happened. Before, because huh. it's... Okay, I didn't... Like, that's the impression I got. Uh, that that well, meeting was already set, and now she's using it to try and. But regardless, take like it's it's, I think it's Howard's job to try to retain the business, and that's why yeah. it's like I'm not as negative about Chuck as as some. Um, I, I I feel like he's doing what he probably needs to do or he should do, but I, I think where the spite comes from is how far he extends himself to do it. Well, also his motivation for doing it. I mean, it's. It's clearly he doesn't care so much about You're the right. Mesa Verde thing. It's he hears Jimmy is now sucking Kim into this operation and taking their lawyers away, and he's like, "Fuck you, Jimmy." Yeah, I'm does, go. does Chuck get out of the office for any other account of that magnitude? Which is a um, a nice medium sized fish in the pond for H H and M, but it would mm. be the whale that's going to feed Kim and Jimmy for several seasons, right? Um, no, I mean, like I said, I. It, it's not evil. It's definitely him being an asshole. Mm-hmm. But Howard just trying to retain the business. I mean, like, I don't. I yeah. I mean, he has to make that phone call, and he has okay. to make it right away. I think. Okay. Because he knows Kim is super competent and can easily, you know, get this down. I still don't know that I'm a hundred percent sure. I don't think the scene told us a hundred percent who was torturing Kim. 
No, I don't either. I, I don't think there's really any insight in there into that. But and so I, I'm still will, on the Howard. I will train. grant that many people can and will take that scene different way. And I tend right. to be, I tend to be when I get you know quote unquote screwed over. I tend to think what I did wrong to put me in that position okay. and how I can make sure it doesn't happen to me again. Rather mm-hmm. than that pig fucker did this. You know what I'm saying? That's probably the more beneficial thing sure. to think about. But you know, it also, so, you know, there, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's some, some, some tendencies to go with it that maybe not are as positive. Okay. Uh, but, but you know, wallowing and beating ones up and self-loathing and right. all that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, so I, I take it to like, okay, well, fair play. You know, that's not cheating. He didn't hack the rules. He's not, you know, right? Changing the the game on me like that's bullshit. But yeah, he's 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 uh, playing it close to the bone. The way you got to play in these this cutthroat world of New Mexican Your law, yeah, New it's Mexican a, law. It's a New Mex law. You step in those border, and it's it's a steel cage death match every day. I'm sure it is every day. So we go over to Mike, who continues to stake out the Salamanca meeting place hideout like he, he seems to just show up there every once in a while and he so sees... i actually looked up the translation of this place grego el grego something... gunadar okay it's the greek winner the greek winter winner winner now i don't the cause... greek winner yeah and it's the gun yardar i and i so i i'm not exactly sure because with my television and looking through the chain leak fence i'm not entirely sure of the spelling but I tried a different come some different uh, uh, vowel combinations, and I got in gibberish. So okay. I think it's the Greek winner, the Greek champion, maybe the Greek anything seems like, is weird. It, like is, this is not a Mexican joint. I think it is, but like you know, if <laughs> like a Mexican place naming themselves the Greek anything seems strange to me. But like you know, I'm saying that like Americans when they're trying to appeal to a different market. Will probably like you know how many Camino Royales do we have the Royal Roads and like what the hell does that even mean like yeah but if, if you I, are I, I, selling like, is that supposed to like be a gladiator type of thing like the but if you're selling Mexican food uh-huh. I wouldn't think you would want to have a Greek name for your restaurant that, that seems thing is, like it's, a it's bad an ice idea. cream parlor though. Okay. It's like is it's it, not like a supermarket. Is it totally ice cream? I, I, I thought mean, it was like a taco burrito. I think type it's shop, all like... ice cream, man, because okay. they have like milkshakes okay. with different flavors on them. Like on yeah, the I sideboard. haven't looked at it real closely. I, I I thought it might be just a grocery store that sold ice cream on the side, but it's more right. and more seeming like no, this is an ice cream joint. Okay. But then again, I could be having the wrong name period, and and people are laughing at me. So. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, I, I don't know. But so he sees the ice cream delivery guy. By go the up way, there. at this point in the episode, I was feeling f- super fucking smart. Mike, hell yeah, Mike's building this case, and he's going to get this big fat file and hand it off to the DA. That doesn't seem to be the plan at the end. Then we got to the end, and I'm like, (laughs) ah, shit. (laughs) No, I think he's going to take a more direct approach. Uh, So he sees the ice cream delivery guy and loads some boxes, and then Hector pulls up and goes inside. And we, we see he's in a pretty flashy car. Yeah, he's in. He's in like uh, something you'd see in Scarface with Manolo riding down the street. Sixties era Chevy Impala, I believe. Yes, uh, they 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 say exactly what year and everything on the insider cast. Mike so. Bearman Trout. I'm loving yeah, the Bearman which... Trout. <laughs> okay, all right. I, in, in, in the exact same way that I think people like my Rick Grimes. Uh huh. Like every once, like every tenth syllable, it's like, God damn, that's that's a really good Mike Ehrman Trout, <laughs> and the rest kind of really goes up and down. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You don't like the Bearman Trout, eh? Uh, it's okay. 
It's okay. Uh, you know, just as far as like, you know, there are plenty of podcasts that do that. Like, oh, our our producer who may or may not exist, like Dan Carlin mm-hmm. does this. Like, yeah. when they need to look something up. Uh, so as, I want to have Bearman Trout on when Airman Trout's when when Jonathan Banks is on and have oh, a God. bank off. <laughs> I, I I wonder if he'd be game for that shit or if he'd just be like, "This is stupid." Uh, I think he'd be game. <laughs> you need Bearman Trout to bear bait him. Uh, Kim meets with Paige and Kevin and tries to talk them into sticking with her. And then she goes to meet with Jimmy at a dentist's office um, that he wants them to rent for their new uh, venture. She tells Jimmy that the meeting re- went really well, and they decide, yeah, let's rent this place. Let's uh, do it. I got to say, when when Kim is selling me right into the camera, baby, I am buying. She, okay. I totally believe that she nailed that meeting. Yeah. And it wasn't like a putt, like I th- felt like that when he came back with the warehouse full of suits, I was like, oh, shit. What is she going to do? And like, I really, I, they, they really economically told me that she killed it. Yeah. To the I point that don't... I was shocked when she came into that shell-shocked thousand-yard stare into the dentist office. I'm like, right. how did she fuck this up? Yeah, she just couldn't believe that she didn't. No, right, up. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know. I still don't think she has a great answer to what if I need a warehouse full of suits. Like, one person can only do so much, and we saw with... But I th- what I think she's saying is, like, look, I know you don't need a warehouse for this project. Uh, like, that like, it, like if I, yeah. I, yeah, she's essentially saying like, I know your case forwards and backwards. Right. And I, if I didn't, if I didn't think I could do it, then I, I, I wouldn't set myself up for failure or set you up for failure. So I think she's sure. implying that no, no, the hand stitched route is the one for you. You don't and, need to go to the sweatshop that is H and M. And I guess if they H-H-M. trust her, uh, as an HHM employee, then they, they would probably trust her now. Uh, so I, I, I take a look at this office, this dentist office that they want to rent. Sure. And, I mean, yeah, there are some chairs in there that they might have to get rid of, although Kim seems to want to keep them. Um, but you go out to the lobby and you there's... you got to keep at least one dentist chair. Because when are you going to get another one? I think you put it in the lobby as as the waiting area. <laughs> Just two dentist chairs out there. Uh-huh. Let them kick back. I don't know. Clean their teeth if they want. Uh, but But I look at this lobby... And I say, okay, there are two law offices operating out of this one building. Uh They're presumably going to have a single secretary, a single receptionist, whatever it's called, uh, greeting people at the door. Sure. If I'm the receptionist, how do I greet people? Do I say, oh, welcome to the law offices of McGill and also the law offices of Wexler? Like... It, it's a weird thing. Like, oh, are you here to see? Are you here for this well, company or this company? So I don't know. I mean, there's lots of company. There's lots of law firm. You know, solo practitioners are run out of those like Regis places where you've got like you know essentially a large block of office spaces is manned by one receptionist and right. But this is this is more intimate than that. This is like like if we walked into no, our accountant's office in it. Indiana, yeah, and there was another accountant in the same office, and we talked to the same person, and she asked us like, "Who are you here?" To see it might be a little weird also isn't it going to be strange with jimmy's clients whoever they might be walking into this oh, office with kim like kim's gonna pull her fucking hair out when she sees who that's comes true. in here you got you got you know <laughs> old folks and strollers and people in neck braces right and right just the... you know guys been stabbed last night right next to these corporate law people yeah yeah maybe she they might have fully, a problem maybe they haven't fully counted the costs i i certainly don't think kim has 
she I don't think she understands what she's about to get into. And honestly, I don't know if she should because, you know, this is all coming from our knowledge of Breaking Bad and yeah. none of that has happened yet. So sure. maybe that won't be an issue. But... He's practiced a senior law and that's perfectly respectable. Right. Right. Maybe it won't be an issue. I don't uh, know. But no, I was trying to. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess the thing to do would be to call the place something. Like the practices right. at the crossing or something. Okay. And be like, welcome to who, who are you here to see? And uh-huh. then that's how you handle it instead of saying, welcome or, to the... Or when you call up on the phone, like, yeah. I assume they'll have separate phone numbers, right? Sure. Like, that's how the Regis, the, you get a line that two it, different it, phones, it, it yeah. prompts who it's for so you can answer it as if you are the place. So, right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's easier to do. Yeah. Uh, maybe you post the opinion. Because, like, how much walk-up traffic does a... Nah, probably not until much. until they inflate the Statue of Liberty and put the thing out there. How much walk up traffic? Oh, so another thing what is are like, the decorations going to be like? <laughs> you just sync your Outlook calendar. So when someone comes in at two o'clock, you see Jimmy's got a two o'clock. Right. So right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure they can figure out a way. I also him is he going to be wearing the ice cream suits, or the the flashy inflatable we'll tube see. man suits? Uh, my question is. Is the soundproofing going to be plot relevant later on? Uh, that's a good question. Because sometimes, like, okay, like, lawyers, I could see, would want soundproof rooms because they're going to be discussing confidential matters. But on the other hand, you know, this this place, the, the golden age of television has trained me that anytime someone just calls out a feature conspicuously that my ears perk up and like, aha. Yeah. There's going to be Tuco beating the shit out of Jimmy next door and Kim's going to be over there talking contract law and have no idea. Yep. It should be interesting having them both in the same office. Uh, so Howard goes to see Chuck um, to deliver the news about Kim and Mesa Verde. And he, when Chuck finds out that Jimmy's working with Kim, he decides he's going to go to Howard's meeting with Mesa Verde. And he's going to do it with the lights on and a space, no space suit. For like, lack of a better term, normally. Normally. What, this scene, there's... Man, this scene is so good. I mean, Michael McKean... McKean? McKean? I don't know. He he really puts a lot of nuance into this performance here. And they the the cinematography is backing him up because that shot of Howard in the full length mirror talking to uh-huh. so they're both in the same frame, but not that's Yeah, that's cool. So cool. So cool. Uh but you, you can see it. As soon as as so he, he does his Svengali thing, right? He calls out, Oh, he's he's you know, manipulating her, influencing her, whatever. Um it, but but as soon as he hears that Jimmy's working with Kim, he, you can see the gears turning. You can see how he's working on a plan to sabotage it, yeah. and, and it it just comes across as just the slightest bit of distraction from what from what Chuck's saying. Uh, I think it's really well done, really well done by Michael. Uh, so the other thing, Howard is also kind of losing his shit because he thinks um, his his tie is a twitching because he thinks this is a bad idea. Right, right, but I. So I got the impression when he grabbed the suit. Obviously, we knew he was going in and he was going to power through this without, you know, all of his stuff. I, I thought he, I thought he was going to shit the bed. I thought, thought that so? that's what that he was going to, and he's going to really embarrass, and it was going to be a, a minor victory for Jimmy. I did not see Jimmy huh. like rolling up his sleeves and going to work on him. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I immediately thought, oh my god, this guy really has a bug up his ass for getting Jimmy because certainly he can't leave his house one minute and the next minute when he hears Jimmy's doing something, he's got to sabotage it so much that he's going to power through his illness. And that's what makes it scummy for me is yeah. that like the kind of hate, like, like you need love or hate 
to motivate you that much. And maybe there's yeah. a mixture of the two, but it it just really like makes you stand back and like, wow, you're going to put yourself that much out. I know. For it was disturbing. It's a plum for sure, but not you know in the constellation of H H and M, it's one of the dimmer stars, surely. And that's not why he's doing it. No, I exactly. don't think he goes to this meeting um, if Jimmy's not doing what right. he's doing. Right. So it's pretty despicable, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue too much because I don't think much of Chuck. Okay. So and also, oh, you were you were about to get the scene, but yeah, Chuck's salesmanship here. I guess it's effective, but I Is came it? across fairly pandering to me. Me too. Like if I'm Completely. a business, if I'm a if I'm the director of a bank, mm-hmm. presumably, like I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't know chapter and verse of all this stuff because I hire people who impress me with their competence. Right. For this guy to come in and essentially say, you are naive and an idiot for taking someone this young and inexperienced, mm-hmm. who, by the way, we're going to have spearheading your case uh, up until she left us. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but I felt like the writers were really putting their thumb on Chuck's side of the scale because... My read of this guy, if they made him a younger guy, though he might be self-conscious, but this guy's mature. He seems like right. he's very sure of himself. Uh, I don't know what pull this hmm. Kim's friend has with her. This, isn't he is like is, is she a relative or? I don't know exactly. Their they never really established that, but she's clearly like worried about what's going on. But hmm. and and, and when, in the midpoint where he's like, "Look, I I see what you're doing." That's when I thought Chuck was going to really fuck up. But he just doubles down and it works, and it didn't really convince me. Yeah, the guy doesn't seem to get offended by Chuck's, you know, pandering, like you said. Or, uh, I mean, the thing is, is Chuck is so insufferable. Like, I think that there could have been a lighter touch that would have worked. And I, and the thing is, like, I'm going forward. You know, obviously, I'm not like, oh, this is a sticking point. There's no sure, way to ruins no. the season. But this is a scene that did not do what I think that they needed it to do. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I felt this entire time like, really, really, that was amazing. Howard thinks that's amazing. Uh, anyway, let me describe that scene for for people who maybe didn't watch it. Uh, in the meeting with Mesa Verde, Chuck backs kind of backs his way into the idea that Kim probably doesn't have the experience, the connections, or the staff to properly attend to their needs. And then afterward, um, he succumbs to the pressures of electromagnetic frequencies. Uh. In, in the lobby as Howard congratulates him on such an amazing job. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't really see the amazing job either. I thought it was strange um, that this guy didn't get offended by being talked down to effectively. Yeah, like they, there's a way to do that effectively, and there was a combination of writing, performance, and direction that just didn't come together. Or, you know, the other guy's just miscast. Like, I don't think a guy of that stature, if if he was a young, like, even his Howard's age. Mm-hmm. Or closer to Kim's age, so it's like, oh, oh man, maybe uh, I, I don't have to. But this guy looks like he's been doing this for a long time. Gotten the bank successful enough they're about to do a big merger slash expansion, and this this dude in the crinkly suit's going to come in and tell him that you don't know what the hell you're doing. Fuck that guy is what yeah. I think. What I think most board manager board members would do. I I guess there are two. Two ways you can go with it. He went the one way. I would have gone the other sure. way and been like, don't talk down to me, man. Yeah. I see what you're doing here, and I don't appreciate it. Whereas he was like, okay, I take your point. Uh, you can stop with this charade. It's bullshit, and we both understand that. Sure. Now let's talk about it for real. 
Uh, but yeah, he's more understanding than I would. Or I would, I would, I would have made him like the way he was rolling so high-handed. I would have made him like, okay, so Kim Wexler is incompetent, and it's dangerous to choose her. I would make him fucking say it, and I'd be so worked up about that meeting. I would call up all my buddies that I know are H H and M, and be like, "Have you ever de- dealt with this?" Fuck this asshole before, and I would yeah, like fucking smug, yeah. arrogant. I would go, yeah. to, I'd go after, I'd go tool up and go after him. Like I <laughs> was shocked that that worked the way it did. Yeah, me too. Uh, and again, I, I, part of it is I came into the meeting expecting Howard to shit the bed. Or I mean, I'm sorry, right. Chuck, and it didn't happen. So it might just be sour grapes on my point, bar, uh, my part. But could be. All right, so Jimmy and the two film students wheel an old man out to an airstrip to con his way into a commercial shoot in front of the last airworthy B-29 superfortress named... Major Fudge. Fifi, yeah, Major Fudge, which you got to imagine. Okay, maybe he got that nickname in the war. Uh-huh. Maybe for the reasons that Jimmy says. Uh-huh. But you got to imagine an old man might have that nickname for a different reason sure. now. Sure. Sure. They might call him something uh, that call him that for a different reason in the nursing home. <laughs> uh, anyway, while shooting, Jimmy gets a call from Ernie who says Chuck is in real bad shape. Jimmy uh, just tells him what to do. Says no doctors, he'll be fine. Uh, and that's pretty much the scene. Now, there's a lot of nice touches in this. There are. There are. I like the fact that he defended Fudge from public masturbation. Uh, I like the fact that uh, he tries to correct him. That that this, which is a true fact, is B twenty nine was exclusively used in the Pacific Theater, and Jimmy tries to pivot from th- those dirty, dirty Germans to. I was like, wait a second, can I say dirty Japanese? Uh, axes, <laughs> dirty like axis these dirty, powers, dirty yeah. axes powers. That I thought was really kind of funny. Uh, that uh-huh. like Jimmy's like he crosses the line, but he knows. Ooh, don't know if I can go there. And the, the code word for disaster rhubarb. Rhubarb, rhubarb. Oh, yeah. Comes back and also that they, they kind of fool you because when that guy comes back with like a determined look on his face and with a whole bunch of with, fatigued yeah. security guys i'm thinking oh the jig is fucking up yep someone googled fudge major fudge <laughs> and wasn't happy with their result not at all <laughs> but did no. they do a safe search or not because uh but no it just turns out they all wanted a photo op yeah yeah uh and I, also in the breaking bad insider they were talking about how uh, Villigan actually went up in this plane. This is the real plane. I've seen this plane. This plane was at one oh. of the air shows. Greenfield, Indiana, little old Greenfield. Okay. Uh, has one of the largest air shows in the Midwest. And we got all kinds of cool shit. And this went uh, came through one year. And yeah, I did not so... get to go in it. But one of my friends, who was the president of a remote-controlled helicopter club in, in Indianapolis, and like a... Okay. Very a, prestigious. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it... I'm, I don't know why I'm telling the details of this fucking story, because my brain works that way. Okay. Uh, but he won a competition at the local, and that was the prize. Him and his dad got to go up in that thing. Huh. Okay. And That's cool. it was tray cool. Yeah, and Villigan was talking about going up in it. And, I was really and like... I was so into that part because I'm like, fuck, right, because I love that shit. I love air shows. I love Warbirds. And it was cool to see him geek out about that stuff the same way I would. Right, right. But he also said, like... Oh, it's it's real expensive. Like you're gonna go and you're gonna look it up and you're gonna say, "Oh my god, that's fucking expensive." But trust me, it's worth it. I looked it up. It's five hundred seventy-five bucks. That's pretty expensive, dude, for the average person. I, but it's affordable, right? I was thinking like, no, yeah, yeah, ten thousand dollars to go sure. up in this thing for an hour. Like, sure. and I don't know how long the rides are, but five seventy-five is within you know, if you're quite a few enth- months, if you're maybe. An but air show enthusiast, you could probably, yeah, if that's like your dream. It's an attainable, very attainable dream, right? 
I, I expected longer... like, oh, Hollywood bigwig probably got yeah. the ten thousand dollar ride for free. No, yeah, no, it's much cheaper than I expected, honestly. Yeah, but uh, there's also like, there's like, what's that? Is it the ship of thesis? Or the, the you know that that's parable about the ship that uh, every plank of wood has been replaced. Is it still the same ship? Right, sure. There's a lot about. I mean, because it's got completely different engines, and a lot of the airframes been replaced. Different engines or just re? No, like they they completely changed them from like like uh, uh oh my god uh, uh like go from general manners to uh, general motors to royals royce or so something. it has the same body shape essentially yeah, is I mean, that it's, it it's it's recognizably the same airframe but visually it's been just... that's what i'm saying like that is a, philo- a philosophical question okay if if you replace a car every part not all at the same time uh-huh. but you have this car you know this this fucking airplane 70 years old right if you replace every single part over that period of time, is it still the same airplane? Sure, completely understand it. Um, the other thing is, how much does that matter? Does isn't it just really trying to recreate the experience yeah. of being in that? And it's like so, you know, it's like if you have a, a a '57 Chevy and you take out that motor and you put a different motor into it, like a modern you know small block V8. Yeah, it's still a '57 Chevy. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, like if you put I, a, I, don't well, I don't know if you if you if you did the heresy and you put a Ford motor in it, would it still be a fifty seven? <laughs> well, I was thinking like if it's substantially like if you go from I don't know a car with one hundred and fifty horsepower to a car with six hundred, and then say this is the same car and you press down the pedal, you're not getting the same experience. Oh, see, I think that being just, in I, that that'd car. be the same car. It's way more badass. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I don't know that you're wrong. I'm just. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, it, I, and I, I wonder, like, and I was trying to do a lot because this is all super interesting. Because I was trying to understand why the hell it was only used in a Pacific theater, and you know, it seemed like it was the timing, and it kind of overran, and the European war is mm-hmm. mostly mopped up, and it was going to be expensive to run bait. So they just anyway. Um, I was trying to get like, did it change the experience? Like, does the one motor sound different? Because I imagine right. most of the sound comes from the props hitting the air, which probably mm-hmm. are the same. Yeah. So. What if it's cool though? It's it's it really cool. it's it's really cool to see. Uh, Jimmy shows up at the dentist's office to sign the lease, and Kim tells him she lost Mesa Verde to Chuck. Kim's having second thoughts about going it alone, but Jimmy still wants to do it, and he tells her we're a team. And she says, "Okay, let's do this." Uh, I I really really want to know what kind of watch Jimmy's wearing outside this place. It's really? ugly as fuck, and I would love to have one. Okay, <laughs> it's horrendous. It's got the. Like, it doesn't have an actual face on it. I feel like it flips up, maybe, like mm. a cover on top of it. But it's all gold. It's got this big black, like, bubble on the top that covers the... Huh. Or maybe some kind of stone. I couldn't tell. Wow, I didn't... I. It's I, hideous. And it matches his ring, his pinky ring. The only thing I noticed is so, Chuck I, is wearing a watch, which I presume is, like, some kind of precision Swiss oh, that yeah, you wind I'm, up. I'm sure, yeah. So Because it's, you know, clearly can't be, be battery-powered. But, uh, no, I didn't notice anything. That, but that, but the I think the important thing is it matches his Marco ring, uh, which kind of, I feel Saul starting together. to build here, right? Okay, he had sure. the suits for that joke last time. He has got the watch that matches his ring. I... It's all coming together. So one thing I want to talk about in this scene is when when he props Kim up and says, hey, we're partners. This is what partners do. And we'll get another Mesa Verde, whatever. Uh-huh. And Kim kind of, you know, reinvigorated, goes in. He lingers outside and gives this look that the way I describe it is it's close as Bob Odenkirk can give to a Peyton Manning face without mm-hmm. being Archie Cooper, Peyton, or Eli. Like okay. it's this frustration, kind of sadness uh fear of like maybe not being able to do the get get to this a high of a point in the future 
What? And determination. Maybe. I, I think uh, I think Jimmy's the gears like Chuck earlier in that scene with Howard. Jimmy's gears are spinning now, right? Yeah, I mean, how much of it is anger towards Chuck? How much of it is being scared of this situation? That like, okay, yeah, I'm pissed at Chuck, but also I'm scared that I've got my girlfriend into this, and I don't know that I can, I, I can seal this deal. I don't know. I mean, it to me, Jimmy doesn't get scared very often, and not over things. I, I don't know. Certainly not over things that deal with his brother or any kind of authority figure or anything like that. He okay, rebels that's against a fair that, point. but maybe he is scared about losing Kim. I wouldn't be surprised about that. Okay. Uh, that seems to be the one thing that he actually values is yeah. his relationship with Kim. Sure. Uh, everything else he's willing to sell down the river for his own means. But uh, I, I think it's a blend of that. Yeah, he is nervous about Kim uh, and whether or not they can do this. But I think the anger is more the overriding factor here. Okay. He he sees that Chuck, Chuck fucking powered through his illness, an illness that has been debilitating in so many other circumstances, to to screw them over. And we've seen him do that. Like... What gets Chuck out of bed is to investigate the goddamn newspaper, right? Or to 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 get Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, to go out and check his cell phone in yeah. the middle of the night, like yeah. that's, to, that's to make the, phone calls. Like you don't uh. ever see him really extending in any other circumstance. Yeah, Chuck takes it pretty easy on Chuck. <laughs> he does. So Mike follows Hector's car to a lot where he sees it pull into a warehouse. This is the meatpacking district of of Albuquerque, yeah? <laughs> like, nothing okay. good happens in this section of town. This is no. the seediest, sketchiest goddamn block in all of New Mexico. There's there's some of that in Albuquerque. We saw a little oh, bit of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, just, you know, burnt-out warehouses. Jason the Combo just, Corner, sure. Right, right. That The, the Combo Corner is surprisingly dark like i think vacant. this is this is another this, this is the like i said meatpacking district this is yeah. this is bad stuff uh and he, he sees the trunk of the car being opened then he also sees ice cream delivery truck pulling up and uh, backing into the warehouse the door shuts and mike kind of thinks for a while as he watches hector smoking a cigarette uh and you can hear the like i said the the voo, voo, the pneumatic tools firing up and they're yeah going to work clearly major modifications yeah, they're pulling some. I, I think you're know, right on with the money. Really... I, I didn't think of that, but, but I think you're right on. They're packing that truck full of money. It's got to be it. They... The frames, the wheel wells, the whole whole deal. <laughs> right. This is before the the DEA got wise to that, I guess. Well, plus I would think that they're I, more interested in coming. I, I bet that the going across, right, going out of. Uh, I I don't know because I've never actually crossed the Mexican border that way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I but I imagine it's not nearly. It's kind of like going into Canada. Right. They're like, yeah, come on in. Uh, maybe we'll stamp you. Maybe we won't sign Lucy Goosey. You come back in. Do you have your fucking birth certificate? Do you have your yeah. It's It's a lot more rigorous coming back the other way. They, I feel like the Mexico is probably the same way. Like, it's yeah. you go out and it's just kind of like, you know. I think you're right. Uh, I, I have some questions in my notes here, but I, I kind of want to save them for a little bit. Uh, okay. About why Mike is following Hector. What's his game here? But we'll talk about that toward the end. Sure. As, uh, and did it drive you crazy how close Mike was? Yes, yes, but this is movie close. And, uh, and this also, is... I know that lenses can really fuck with your perception. That's true. Like, yeah. but I mean, I'm thinking that I kept expecting Hector to look up like, "There's you a guy motherfucker. With I know you. Uh-huh. I gave you fifty grand, you son of a bitch!" And it comes running at him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like it like and I'm like, am I supposed to think that this is too close or is this no. movie close? Okay. This is this is the movie. Because he's got this binoculars. Is... I'm like, you don't really need binoculars, man. Right. Right. Uh so Jimmy shows up at Chuck's house and sends Ernesto home. And while Chuck is out of commission, he digs through his Mesa Verde paperwork, changes the addresses on all of it, and puts it back. And when Chuck wakes up, Jimmy tries to bring up the Mesa Verde conversation and Kim. Chuck doesn't want to fight about it. And he thanks Jimmy for staying with him and says, I'd do the same for you. Bull fucking shit. Y- liar. Yeah. I actually shouted liar when I saw it for the first time. I, I almost think in a way that Chuck would like for Jimmy to be out of commission in this way, though. Right? Like, he wishes that Jimmy weren't. He's had, So here's the thing. Uh-huh. I, let's say um, I help my dad remove some spyware from his laptop. Okay. He comes over and helps me build a deck. Uh-huh. Who did who the bigger favor? Nobody. I would say my my dad helping me build a deck is a lot harder than me clicking a few buttons and removing spot. Now, granted, my dad has a talent for really fucking his laptop up. But <laughs> half hour, 45 minutes work, and I'm done. Sure, He's sweating sure. his ass off all Saturday, maybe coming back Sunday to I help guess, me polish it off. I, I guess I'm presuming that it would be an ongoing I'm not saying quid pro that, quo sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not saying that, and that's that's a fair point. I'm I'm removing spyware from him all the time. He builds one deck every ten years or so. Um, right. But I'm saying like that's how I get their relationship. Like Chuck came and okay. saved Jimmy's ass from you know a trumped up sexual descript- you know sex whatever sex crime charge. Yeah. The Chicago sunroof, which for a lawyer of his caliber, probably just is making a few phone calls. Right, you know, calling his contacts, call, and, and and it doesn't really, it wasn't hard for him. It didn't cost him much for having that much moral authority over Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jimmy had slaved running ice and bacon and catering to every one of his brother's psychosomatic needs. Right? Yeah. So I think that Chuck might think this is true, but I don't think the balance is anywhere close. And if if Jimmy needed this kind of round the clock care, yeah. no fucking way would Chuck do it. No fucking way. But then again, I, okay. I'm biased. I think Chuck's a giant gaping asshole. <laughs> I think he is too. Yeah. Um, I like. I don't think he's just an asshole. I think he also can be a nice guy. And I, I think if maybe if they had an entirely different relationship, like yeah, that's if, what I'm if saying. If Jimmy wasn't the if the you go conning, back to the Garden of Evil Eden before right, like, Jimmy bought, bit the apple. Sure, but let's say you know he helps him out with the the sex charge thing, and then he. Jimmy falls ill. Does hmm. he help him? I don't. I don't know. I think Chuck would be the resentment relieved. runs back to when they were children, though. That's the thing. You have to go. Uh, that's all what I mean. The way yeah. Back. Right. Um. So I I think he would be relieved that Jimmy's out of the picture and that he doesn't have to deal so much with with Jimmy's antics. That he might actually help him out and keep him on this train keep him where he is you know, i think chuck's out of commission the, i think chuck's the kind of guy that would just have jimmy committed to an institution and gladly oh, pay so? for a nice one and gladly right. pay until he dies but he could pay for an ernesto that would be cheaper well but I, what i'm saying is like i think that's the kind of guy chuck is where jimmy's the kind of guy that will yeah. bend over backwards to keep his brother out of the nut house okay i and can I, I can buy that yeah um so we see what jimmy's plan here is he's going to fuck up this paperwork have Chuck file it, and I I think the end game is HHM fucks up this contract and Mesa Verde goes with Kim. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be an expensive, embarrassing, but non-fatal mistake. Like, right. 
they bought the wrong. It'd be, it, I got in my mind is like, what if that they bought the nail salon for like a million dollars instead of the location across the street, which is the actual bank branch we're supposed to be buying. Okay, and it's all done and approved and signed. They can't get out of it. Right. And right. like, would that that would be hilarious? And it would also kind of open the door to some shenanigans later on uh-huh. that we know happened in Breaking Bad. Um, but it, it's going to be something, and and also I can just see the director of this bank shoving that young eyes versus old eyes right up Chuck's ass. Like, oh, right. yeah, oh, the right. old tired She's fucking sharp. eyes uh-huh. couldn't get the six and one transposed, asshole. Yeah, no, it's it's the question is, does because do you like I mean, Chuck might catch it in time. I don't. He's so fucking sharp. I don't know, man. But the, the, my, my thought is that these are documents he's already reviewed. So he's not even going to think that he has to go back and check them again. Yeah, that could be. Uh, although he says he he has a lot of work to do and he's got all this paperwork stuff under sure. his desk. And maybe the, and he has all the seen fact it that yet. they all match and are consistent. Yeah. If you're double checking things, you might just be like, oh, well, this all matches, so it's all good. So there's only one scenario in which Chuck actually figures this out. The one in which he's already started the paperwork but has not mm-hmm. completed the paperwork. So he's seen the 61 yep. instead of the 16 and he catches it. Yep. The other two scenarios are he hasn't started the paperwork, which means he probably doesn't know the address and he's mm-hmm. just going to assume it's correct. Or he's already done the paperwork and he's ready to file it. Sure. His odds are not good uh, of catching this thing. And I think, I don't know, is it interesting if he catches it and realizes, oh, Jimmy, that fucker, I'm going to get him back again? Well, it would definitely be, it it would lengthen the war, which I don't, or the battle. Yeah. uh, Which I don't know if it's that super interesting. Right. I think it's more interesting to have this contract start to fall apart, and maybe Chuck realizes it after the fact, right? He files the paperwork that he knows was good. He sees that the address was changed after the shit hits the fan and goes, I know that's not the address. Well, he also I wouldn't knows have filed that Jimmy it that had way. the means. He had Jimmy the motive, must have done, and he yeah. was, yeah, I mean, I can see that happen to you, not be able to prove it, but... I do want him to make the connection, but after the damage is done. And and then that keeps the war going, you know? it It, it maybe even raises the... The level of it. Do you think that? Um, so, how badly did Jimmy feel at the end of the scene, where he he did say, "If things were reversed, I hope you know I'd do the same for you." I think I he felt f- bad. Yeah, I felt like he, but not bad enough to to try to change it or to tell him mm, to confess. I'm hoping he doesn't try to change it. and It's a half-assed thing, and that's what gets him caught. Because then, no, I think he's made up his mind. I think. Well, the other thing is, I mean, this. I feel like this has to go badly because that's the arc. Like, this is going to be yet another thing that Jimmy does to fuck up Kim's, right? you know, instead of putting your nose to the grindstone and just out hustling and getting another uh, Mesa Verde, which Kim's proven that she can do, uh, you just try to cheat your way to win. Because, like, that's the thing. How, you know, whatever you say about Howard or Chuck, they didn't cheat. Right. They played um, the game by the rules, and Jimmy's not. Sure, but he also kind of didn't play by the rules to get the sandpiper case in the first place and that's still a thing that's mm-hmm. that was a successful case that he brought it just didn't turn out great for him mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know that this case like Wait, i don't know that it has to why blow do you up say for that he Kim. didn't do what's right by because sandpiper he actually did right he discovered uh, all that through legal means i guess he did he i don't know the dumpster diving in the stuff bathroom. Got, he did the dumpster yeah. diving which they, they made a point that that's all allowable that is you legal, can go yeah. through I guess he didn't really do anything wrong there. It just felt wrong. I don't know why. It's Jimmy. He's 
it feels like he's doing wrong at all times, but he's not, I guess. Well, when you're scenario. having like coffee grinds and rotten and, and, and dirty diapers raining on you, it feels dirty. It does feel <laughs> like fudge might be outside. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this is going to blow up in his face. Just like his other plans. No, it has to. The commercial. There's no way that this is because, like, if they get Mesa Verde, there is, they're essentially already successful. That's was fifty thousand dollars a month, right? Of ongoing revenue. I mean, well, it would be her case. So, like, how much of that is going to bleed over into Jimmy's uh, practice? I would expect a lot. You know, it's like one of those things. Like, like if, I, if uh, Cecily I can, I can wins the, the lottery, rent. suddenly I'm pay. a lot less gripped up about bald move. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's not my money, sure. But unless I fuck up and she kicks me out, eh, she's got to feed me and clothe me and all those things. Well, yeah, she has is... to provide the basic care. You would a dog. That's it, what it, I this know, need. this business relationship doesn't feel like that though. To me, it feels more like we're two separate businesses. We're just sharing the space. Like, I don't think Kim wants to get, like, to the point where, oh, I'll pay your rent for you. I'll, I'll bear all the costs here. I don't think Jimmy would let it get that come, far Come either. help me with some paperwork. Like, I, But I I'm saying, like, that's... one of the partners not struggling with rent is, like, you don't think she would float Jimmy a couple months rent? She'd be float like, him? I don't think she'd pay. Yeah, and like, I think that's the kind of thing that Jimmy it. would need. Jimmy's not going to stiff her, I don't think. Right. She might not like what he does to get the money, but... He's the kind of guy that might take a couple months to pay it back, and and yeah. that's fine if one of you's doing that. If both of you's doing that, this you get in trouble, right? So I don't know. Right, we'll see. Uh, I, I do have to say though, this is the kind of battle I've been waiting for between Chuck and Jimmy. Sure, uh, I wanted to see this since the end of season one, where you know it, the shit kind of hit the fan with Jimmy and Chuck. One uh, of these days, though, I'd like to see them have a battle where they both know they're in it. You know, like a fair competition, right? The best man wins. This. Uh, yeah, J- Jimmy had no idea that he's fucking you behind the scenes with with Howard, and mm-hmm. uh, Chuck has no idea that Jimmy's stealing his paperwork and fucking with it. Like it would be nice to just see a mano a mano yeah. throwdown, not a physical fight, but you know, right, right, a lawyer fight, <laughs> law fight, steel cage, sure. rust, rusty chairs slapping in the skulls, <laughs> the kind of New Mexican legal hijinks they're known <laughs> for. Well, I've got man, I've got an image of New Mexico law. Rattling around inside it's my head It's not lawless. Now. It's lawful. It's even worse. Right. <laughs> uh, I just feel like I should mention the the song playing in this scene. If you couldn't tell, it's by the same band that created the theme song. I think that's pretty obvious in its style. Uh, Little Barry, I think, is the name of the band. Yeah. Little, well, why Little don't Barry. you do it? I, hadn't, I did not know that it was the same. There again, your musical knowledge far outstrips my own. I had no idea. Really? It band. has like almost the same melody and everything at yeah one now point. that you pointed out it's obvious but okay. <laughs> i didn't pick it up for sure fair enough uh then we go on to mike who enlists kaylee to help him create a hose with holes in it stacy picks up kaylee and then later mike pushes nails through the holes while he watches his girl friday uh making this special hose what do you think the hose is for well at first when he's poking holes i'm like oh he's going to blow this building up he's going to uh, he's going to run that thing through Gasoline's the building gonna... and attach it to a propane tank right. and then blow that fucker up. Propane, that'll work, yeah. But then when he starts putting uh, nails through, it's, it's got to be a stop strip, right? Yeah, that's it's going for to that be... truck, I imagine. Or He wants for... to see what's in that fucking truck. Yeah, or, you know, it, it's definitely more aggressive than I was thinking as far as his investigation. Right. And, and that's... So I, I think I had said, like, maybe he's going to go after Hector. Like, the stuff that we know about Hector from Breaking Bad, something needs to happen here. Sure. And is Mike going to be the instigation for that? Is is he going to be the cause of it? 
um, it seems like more and more he could be. I'd put, yeah, and, if I had and, to bet. And I was sure. talking about like, you know, last episode Nacho and like how he might want to right a wrong here that he feels like he's done by Nacho or mm-hmm. maybe protect his family. I, I don't know. It seems like he's out of it though. Like they're not coming after him anymore. Mm-hmm. Now he's pursuing them. Why is he doing this? And to what end? Like, does well, he want to completely remove the cartel from this area? Or I don't know, but I was thinking as he's doing this that, man, I always assumed that, that was Gus that had it out for the cartel and Mike is just his employee. But it seems like this might be something they kind of team up on. Hmm. This is always their long-term plan that they both yeah. have. Mike has always been distasteful to cartel, but they personally wronged him and they made him feel impotent and feared. And he's like, this is personal. It's personal with Gus, and it it actually feels it actually retroactively makes it feel more like a partnership now, right? Than huh. an employer employee kind of relationship. Yeah, I didn't think. And it that. also expla- explains the frustration Mike would feel when Walt fucks that up. Uh huh. Like, you know, you know, what we, I had to do to get we this? we arguably did the world a favor in what we you know it's like it's all justification bullshit, but right. No, I I'm I'm intrigued, and then you know clearly he's doing it because he feels like a real shitbag for taking these guys' money, and you know it's got to be because I can't like he doesn't need to protect his family at this point. I don't, I don't think, think so. In fact, this is arguably putting him in danger, right? Because if he gets caught doing any of this stuff, they're oh, all yeah. dead for sure. So it, it must be just he feels some kind of responsibility to Nacho, um, but we'll see. I, I, like I said, it feels like part one of a part two episode, or two part episode, and I think next episode is going to be uh, the shit hitting the fan for sure. Sure, and that's all we got. Sure, sure thing, Mister J. Uh, so you mentioned the attainable dream of flying, going up in the the sole flying remaining super fortress. What was it? The B twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah, but but what, how much was it? Five seventy five. Five seventy five. If your dream is to support independent podcasting. As my, as mine is. If, if your passion is like uh, you've been waiting, it's I, I'm I'm here to tell you. You go to club.baldmove.com. It's not five seventy nine. No, it's not. It, it's not two seventy nine. It's not one seventy. I'm I'm doing the Ronco thing. Uh-huh. It's two bucks a month or twelve dollars for the year. Do I get a set of steak knives with this thing? You don't. But what you do is you okay. get you get fresh new content. You get uh, one point five extra podcast a week, and they're like the fun ones that are lunches and the cocktails. You get special bonus features like we did a, a playthrough of the Michonne version of The Walking Dead right. this week for club members only. You got Quit Your Pitching, uh, the hot new Quitting Your Pitching show from Bald Move. That Michonne thing's actually coming out tomorrow. So Yeah, but I'm saying it's, 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 it's just an example. And there's already right. uh, episode one that you've, you've already missed out on. That's true. Uh, you got ad-free feeds. You get uh, uh, you get VIP access to the forums where you can do things like shape the community commissions and other co- uh, uh, cool cool things. Um, all that for you know uh, again not five seventy nine a, a, a buck a month on average depending on whether it's monthly or yearly. I'll have to consult with the Ville again to see if whether he thinks that's affordable for most people or not. Mm. Mm. I mean, because you know if we, we we could get to the point where we just have to like start falsifying purchase orders. So right. you think you're ordering a case of bananas, but you're actually subscribing to Club Bald Move. I don't want. I mean, and, I don't want to spend all night at a Kinko's. So can you just help us out? And the <laughs> price might go up if if we end up with the last podcast worthy show in existence. The, the price last, might go up. The last podcast worthy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Everything else is is a rickety mess. Is rotten out in the <laughs> desert, and we've we've shined this turd up, and it's still podcasting. 
Then five seventy nine. You want to get on the ground oh, yeah. floor in this. Don't 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 wait for that post pod apocalypse future. Club.ballmove.com. Um, let's go on to Doug. Speaking of Doug uh, J's, Doug J from Gainesville. Uh, by the way, if you want to send us feedback, br- uh, better cast saw at baldmove.com, or you can discuss it on the forums. Forums.baldmove.com says in the ongoing debate about who has it out for Kim, the working theories are either Chuck's doing it to punish Jimmy or Howard's doing it to suck up the Chuck. I think there is a third variation. Howard is using Kim as a wedge between Chuck and Jimmy. Howard is at least a one third partner in a firm. Oh. We don't yeah, the wedges, man. Uh. Yeah, watch those wedges. We don't know where the other Hamlin is, so maybe he's actually two thirds of the firm. Uh this is I sent, think the other obviously. Hamlin's dead, yeah. yeah. So he might this be This is sent before this this week, but I still think it's relevant. But you also have to wonder, as a junior partner, would he have those first rights? Because like he's not a fucking junior partner; he's a named partner. That's not junior. A a more junior partner than Chuck. You like, could say that, sure. I imagine a Chuck wouldn't part- be like sure. A junior give, senior name partner. Give one third. Give part of my fifty percent of this company to your son. You can do that, though. What I'm saying is, I don't think Chuck would do that. I, I like. The old Hamlin, Daddy uh, Hamlin, comes in and says, "Chuck, I want to bring my son into the to the sure. firm." And he goes, "Fine, give him part of your yeah your ownership." I don't yeah. think Chuck goes, "Sure, here's twenty percent of my ownership." That's a good for point. Him. That's a good point because if you did that with your son, I'd be like, "Yeah, fuck you. He can right. have twenty. You can have as much of your percent as you want." Right. I'm not going to split off. Uh, what would that be? A six of my share, just for you know. And they might have some agreement in inked where oh, chuck I, gets first dibs to buy sure. daddy hamlin's uh, yeah. ownership once yeah. he kicks the bucket or retires or whatever yeah so it might be a 75 25 we do thing. yeah we do <laughs> like if you die i have first rights to sure. whatever portion of bald movie you own which is 50 percent. yes uh so, so yeah you're right it, like it, it could 60, be 25 75 split yeah uh, or anything, because we're just speculating. Right. Uh, but let's assume Papa Hamlin created Hamlin and McGill with Chuck and eventually brings his son in as a full partner. Hamlin and McGill becomes HH&M. Pops croaks, leaving his third to Howard, but the name stays the same because, hey, they have a reputation to uphold, and we've seen through Davis and Maine how much of these firms value their reputations. Then Chuck goes off the deep end, acting the fool about electricity, and Howard doesn't <laughs> like it. The guy, the crazy guy's a liability, potentially harming the prestigious HH&M brand, but he's a partner, so what do you do? He sees his chance when Jimmy comes into the picture. He sees the growing rift between the brothers and uses Kim as a wedge. Jimmy assumes Chuck is behind Kim's mistreatment, which fosters more resentment and conflict. I think Chuck is or is becoming genuinely fond of Kim. She's willing to do the hard work and has respect for the law that he wishes Jimmy had. She's the lawyer he wishes his brother was, which makes him even more disappointed in his brother. His offer to talk to Howard about getting her out of doc review is genuine and effective, and that's why Howard is being such a stone-faced prick to her. In the last episode, Chuck was pulling her out of the tombs and reducing Howard's leverage. That's also why he recommended Jimmy to Davis in Maine. He needs to keep Jimmy and Kim apart lest they compare notes and figure out he's the puppet master. Hmm. Everyone wants to think that Howard's the asshole. Oh, Howard is the asshole. Anyway, you know what's funny is that on the Insider podcast, Kelly Dixon said words to that effect. And Vince said, uh... It's more complicated. And I'm like, that's right. right, Vince. That's right. You tell him. <laughs> uh, anyway, Chuck eventually reaches a tipping point and goes totes batshit, maybe even ending in death. Howard dissolves a partnership on grounds of mental instability or some other mumbo jumbo. Let the writers figure that out and how he controls it all. HH and M becomes a shiny new Hamlin and Associates. No partner or dad, just Howie sitting on the throne ruling his empire. What do you think? 
I, I will say that we know this last paragra- paragraph of speculation is essentially fact because we opened up the series with Howard trying desperately to buy Chuck out of the firm. No. Yeah. No, he wanted to keep Howard on staff so he didn't have to buy him out because they would have it would have oh, bankrupted the firm. Fuck, you're right. And that's the other reason I think Chuck right, has more ownership up. is because yes, it would bankrupt this place yes. if if they bought him out. So seventy percent ownership makes a lot of sense, but. Okay. Yeah, I, so yeah, now I'm. I, I disagree with his basic premise, but I like the idea that Howard is driving a wedge between Chuck and Jimmy, or or trying. I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure what his game would be at that point. Like, well, I mean, that's one of the worst places working in a family business oh, is God. when you're dealing with those family fucking politics because there's nothing yeah. that happens outside the walls of your office, and as an employee that's not in that circle, yeah. there's nothing you can do about it, and it sucks. Especially when the family is, you know, has multiple ownerships, like different people and, clashing, and with... dis- disability, and, and mental problems, and bad blood. I like, get, yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Pretty bad, pretty bad. Uh, but you know, the the idea there is some credence to the idea that Howard would like to go it alone here, given what we saw in this episode. Maybe mm-hmm. he's trying to right the uh, perceived wrong of his career, which is sure him getting sucked into a firm he didn't really want. Now he can maybe own the firm, have the firm. If he can somehow get Chuck to quit without having to buy him out, I don't know. It's a real long road to to connect those yeah, dots. But, but if Howard wants, I mean, I guess Howard does seem like a stand up guy, and that he takes responsibility for his employees. Because what is stopping him from just being a solo practitioner now? Probably nothing. Maybe I mean, even if he just walks away with and... nothing, his name and image and handsome mug has got to probably going to be right. worth a comfortable partnership for you know a practice for himself i would think so and he could probably it feels like he's the he is the um the more managerial partner he's the one that like you know the 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 employees feel personally loyal to whereas chuck's the one that they're in awe of i bet he could peel off a lot of their best talent too probably but i there's probably contracts to say he can't do that as well well contracts and also loyalty to his father right if his father's has died and he wants to keep this firm going in honor of him i I think maybe that could motivate him. You're dead, man. You're dead, Dad. You're dead. Is that is that a quote? No, I'm just. I, I've got. Oh. I just saw in my mind this image of Howard in a full length mirror, dressed up as his mom, with lipstick, all sloppily, huh. and a wig, and he's just crying about something with his father did. All right. Like it just went dark really fast. Apparently in my head. so. Uh, let's move on before that sticks into anyone's mind too much. Uh, Rachel H. said, Your bewilderment over the cab situation that Kim suggested last week was adorable. I feel like I'm being patted as, as a small-town guy. I'm being patted on the head by a big-town girl here. Uh, she says, No, Kim was not being literal or proposing that Jimmy move in with her. In the city, when two or more people are headed in the same general direction, sharing a cab saves money because you split the fare accordingly. But ultimately, you go your own way. Kim is using that metaphor to make Jimmy's offer more pragmatic because they share office space and related expenses but do their own separate thing and less binding or marriage sounding. Right, but we don't know that they live anywhere near each other. No, that's a fair point. And I would say that Albuquerque's not exactly a big town either. Right. But yeah, yeah, in Seinfeld, when they're talking about splitting a cab, none of those people live together. They live no. around each other. Uh, well, they all seem to congregate at his house, but well, I mean, other I, than that, they yeah. lived within a few blocks of each other. Surely, Cause uh, you, cause, so, somewhere close. Yeah, yeah. You, you you know, you take the you 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 drive you you cab fifty blocks and walk a few. I don't know, uh, but yeah, that's you're entirely correct 
Um, I've only taken a cab like five times in my life. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Plus, nobody takes cabs airport. anymore. Don't they? It's Uber. Ah, uh, New York, there's plenty Uber of cabs Lyft. being taken. Well, yeah. Okay. Chicago. Certainly. All Although, right. the more and more, Uber's, Uber's making its way in there. Sure. Pretty swiftly. Uh, Matthew C., firstly, on the critique of season two and Jimmy seemingly uh, going over the same stuff as he did in season one. My main critique of season one was the ending. For me, it made no sense. Here's a guy who wanted essentially money. He wanted an extravagant lifestyle. Success is what he focused on, not existential questions, though they naturally bubbled up. When he drove off with the music blaring, I felt as if he clear if it was it was clearly not a choice the character would make at that moment. I half expected season two to begin with Jimmy hitting the brakes and pulling a Walt reckless style UE to go back and take the cash. Didn't he just lament to Mike that he had a bunch of free money in front of him? Wasn't that who he was essentially driving away from? Uh, with the what? start of season two, I was proven right. What? What? I might have butchered this. Um, I don't think he's driving away from cash. That cash is not on the table anymore. He's already made the decision to give the cash back. No, no, no. He's saying that he's the, essentially the uh, Davis and Maine was free money, and we saw that to be largely true. He could have put in 40 hours right. a week and got buku bucks and made partner and bolo desks and, and, and Mercedes until the cows came home for... Uh-huh. That's what he's saying. He's driving away from everything he wanted. That's not what he wanted. He wanted the freedom to be himself, though, and that's the antithesis of Davis and Maine. Yeah. The thing is, is I do feel like that there was a version of Jimmy in season one that did want those things, and that's what they tried to suggest right, with okay. when he ran into the DA, and the DA's like, oh, I bet you got an assistant. I bet she's hot. I bet you got a foreign car. Okay, like, and, and if you're talking about, yeah, like early on Jimmy driving his shitbox and, and having that office in the back of the nail salon, yeah, I think that Jimmy did want some money. But once he found out what it would cost, I guess, you know, that wasn't that wasn't good for him. Anyway, getting back to Matthew's point, he says, In short, season one, Jimmy figures out, uh, does figure out who he is. However, in season two, Jimmy decides to be who he is. The ending of season yeah. one, of course, hinted he would get there, but it was abrupt and unrealistic. Of course, he would turn that car around. It takes time for people to let go, or rather to go. And thus, I've been very pleased with the show in season two. Jimmy realized there's no easy way to get there, but he would, of course, attempt the easy way first. And nicely, this leads to my very last point. With, he did, though, right? Is he complaining about this, or is he I think he's praising it. it? He's essentially saying the season okay. one, he didn't like it because he thought that Jimmy turning down the easy money of Davis and Maine was unrealistic. So the fact that he did pull the UE and backed out and is okay. now, like, okay. he's, he's defending it because we were playing gotcha. devil's advocate about it being unsatisfying. Okay, that changes my perspective. Sorry for disagreeing with you, man. It's, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't realize what you were saying there. It happens sometimes. Uh, anyway, he says, nicely, this leads me to my last point. With Inflatable Man, Jimmy still is afraid to get there on his own, so he wants to do it with Kim. When she turns him down very logically, coolly, but also not without care, uh, he still gets her heart, of course, here he is on his own taking that first step, that answering machine recording. It's a really poignant moment. People do not take these leaps with the music blaring, foot on the gas. They do it by themselves in the dark, probably all alone and in a broom closet. Uh, he says, I'm not sure what that sounds like, but you get my point. So when we see Saul and Kim in that last scene here, him all chill in his silk shirt, clearly many steps forward since the recording. Hell, in a meeting, planning a commercial, he's rolling now. Momentum struck. He can do it on his own. Kim is asking to join in with him. Shit. She just can't do it by herself either, and he knows that now. He knows since he proposed the merger to her that it's actually a flawed venture. Separate practices or no. He'd do better on his own, and she should probably have taken that job. Hmm. 
that is an interesting piece of analysis at the end. That that the reason he gave the stank stink the stank face mm-hmm. is because he had already moved on with his plan, and now Kim coming back with a proposal, you know, made him confront those uncomfortable realities about their situation. Yeah, I don't know that I agree with that analysis, but I don't know either. But it was interesting, and I can't yeah. really say what's flawed with it. I mean, no, all the flaws I just are got subjective a and like from that scene. Exactly, it's all vibe yeah. and emotional base, which people people take different things away from interactions. That's what makes the world so interesting. That's what makes it art, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, Anthony from Springfield said, "Hey guys, want to address the issue of young Jimmy taking the money from his ca- father's cash register at the beginning of last week's episode?" I feel you're both allowing Chuck's perception of Jimmy to influence your opinion, which I do think is intentional by the writers, but I have a different take on the scene. When the con man addresses Jimmy directly and flashes his wad o' money, Mm -hmm. at that point we know that Jimmy's suspicion of the man is confirmed. However, his father is still oblivious to this. From Jimmy's conversation with his dad, we know his dad to be an upstanding, optimistic citizen. His dad clearly does not read people well, which we know from a young age Jimmy is able to do. We also know that Jimmy is trying his best to protect his father from these types of people. I worked in a grocery store as a teenager, and as a cashier, one of the most important parts of our day was counting our money drawer when our shift started and when it ended to make sure we are not over or under the amount we should have had in the drawer. Sure. I believe that Jimmy taking the $8 from his father was him trying to save his father the embarrassment or realization of being conned. Jimmy was merely balancing the drawer, and although he took the money, I feel that it was oddly a sign of love and respect for his father. His father seems like the type of person who would be devastated to learn that he had been duped and could possibly even ruin his faith in humanity or crush his spirits. This is why young Jimmy had the upset and angry look on his face. He begrudgingly takes the money to help his father save face. Given how much the money was in the drawer, the minimal $8 extra would surely have been noticed by his father when counting money at the end of the day or the next time the drawer is open. Also, this convenience store does not appear to be overwhelmed with customers, so it would be easy for his father to trace back where $8 came from. Knowing this, it's easy to understand how someone like Chuck could have seen this exact situation play out and totally misunderstand what's happening just as both of you had. Do you understand what he's suggesting here? Because it took me a while to figure it out. I do, yeah. That essentially, that since this... Since he sold the packs of cigarettes to the guy, the $8... That he'll realize that he bought them with the money he gave him himself, and he'll feel like, oh, I've been an asshole and I've been duped. Uh... Yeah, but I, he did short his inventory. So the, I don't the know problem how is, is he did short his inventory. He does, but that can be written off as something else and doesn't sure. come to light until yeah, much later. You're right. um, but also, like, why does he have to assume that it's that customer? I mean, he makes the case that not a lot of people come in there. A, we don't really know that. This could be a slow yeah, time like of buying day. Buying two cartons of cigarettes B, must be something that happens dozens of could times. Do it. Yeah, even unless the, sh- the the place is just fucking failing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a great explanation, like one that puts Jimmy in a good light there. Um, I think that this is a perfectly fine headcanon thing, but there are a lot of yeah. lines being connected here that I don't think you can draw, you know, because you're right. Like, I don't think his dad would ever know that those $8 came from that guy. Yeah. I don't know how he would know that. And I don't think the drawer would be out of it because Jimmy rung it up, right? Or didn't he? Uh, I don't remember if he rang it up, but, you know, cartons go out. Money comes yep. in. That's the definition of a legal transaction. Yes. Uh, there's nothing mysterious or suspicious about that transaction. Unless by Jimmy's itself. not allowed to run the register, in which case, that's the other thing. Like maybe he's 
but I sure. guess. And I mean, his dad has this photographic memory for everything he sold that day, and like, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in there that there there might be some says, realities of uh, running a ca- a cash register at a small before like point of sale systems and just in time inventory that I'm not entirely getting. Okay, but I didn't. I mean, like I said, it's a fine headcanon idea, but I don't think it's extremely persuasive outside of that headcanon space. Right. Anyway, it was interesting, and thank you for sending it in. Scott V said, just a quick note on why I think Jimmy asked him to partner up. I think Jimmy knows he's going to mess up his relationship with Kim. So to make sure that he will stay in her life, he wants his her intertwined business-wise. I think he knows she would not marry him at this time. Maybe he doesn't want marriage either, but he doesn't want to lose Kim. Jim, what do you think of the lock-it-down theory? Yeah. No, Got to lock it down so she can't leave. I don't think it's a bad one. I think uh, that might be. That could definitely be swimming through Jimmy's head. He's manipulative, whether he wants to admit it or not, probably even with the people he loves, right? So getting her to be a a quasi-business partner is his is the equivalent of, like, get, like you know, Keep, getting her pregnant. Well, keeping her... That's the 40s, uh, yeah, that's the 40s, I guess so. The, the 40s version of getting getting a girl pregnant. I suppose so. All right. It's 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 a little disgusting. I don't like well, it. Well, that's but... the thing. Like I'm, I would entertain it because I feel like that's yeah, Jimmy. He's me too. Uh, he's got reasons for it, and he's got some self esteem issues, and et cetera, et cetera. But he is a little scummy. Yeah. Even in this fairly likable version of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben B. During last week's episode, I was struck by some of Kim's answers during her job interview. She seemed particularly evasive when the discussion turned more to her background in Kansas and what brought her to New Mexico quote-unquote, more. Mm. It was like she didn't want to be pinned down. We, this is the conspiracy mailbag that I opened Yeah, I don't... Uh, I thought this was all very straightforward. <laughs> it could be that she's embarrassed by her background, but for me, the light bulbs start going off. Uh, for the first time in the show, I was curious about her backstory. I made It made me think that maybe there's a darker history to her than we previously thought. <laughs> maybe she's just not the naive waif being corrupted by Jimmy. Does she have a con history herself? Something oh sleazy, something she's covering up. Hmm. It makes me wonder if that's part of the shared commonality with Jimmy, why the con appeals to her, that the two of them are similar in some way, having uh, beyond having started in a mailroom together. The big difference would be that she's ultimately gone or trying to go straight, and Jimmy's slipping back to his true nature. Maybe it's not that extreme, but it seemed like her answers were opening up opportunities for more nuance uh, to her backstory. What do you think, Jim? Uh, so I-, I could definitely see that. Like The writer is wanting to give Kim... Uh, a little bit of room to move here okay uh, and kind of making her backstory not a hundred percent concrete and very detailed yeah so that later if they want to do something they can uh i did not read her as being evasive i read her as being nervous about telling her new boss that she wanted more oh see like, i and i also think that what do you want more well that's an answer that eventually leads you away from schweikert and coakley as well like mm, I, but i thought she said more in life not necessarily more of everything but, but doesn't that imply more well we talked about everything? the disease of more right the thing that i think that P, that maybe ben's missing is just being from a small backwater town there is a little bit of self-consciousness Oh, sure. Yeah. That when you go and you're talking to these professionals and they're from like, you know, like they're from L.A. And she didn't and go to Columbia no. or anything like that. So. No. And I've felt that in professional embarrassment about my education and whatnot. It's like unless you've been through that, you don't know how like literally flat on your feet that can leave you in a conversation. It comes out of nowhere. Right. And, and you, you kind of get it almost in your own head. Like, why do I feel this way about yeah, my education? Like no, yeah, it's I, not my fault where I was born, goddamn, but it's still yeah, there. Yeah, you get defensive within your own head, and sure. then your answer comes out a little weird. I, Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's, that's so, more where she's going. But then again, 
That's me bringing in uh, my personal baggage into the situation. It's true. Rebecca R., the inverse parallel between Jimmy and Kim that I've noticed is that Chuck seems to approve of Kim and disapprove of Jimmy, while Hamlin seems to uh, disapprove of Kim while approving of Jimmy. Wait, one more time with those names. (laughs) Yeah, it's right. Uh. Kimmy and Jimmy is... uh, Okay. Um, Chuck approves of Kim, disapproves of Jimmy. Okay, I buy that. While Howard Hamlin disapproves of Kim while approving of Jimmy. Why? Okay, why would Howard disapprove so much of Kim? I'm curious. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't agree. I'm. I'm wondering. Well, I mean, it goes aloud. back to my theory is that he's tired of being jerked around by Chuck, and he has identified that as long as Kim is with Jimmy, that you know they're either they can either both be on the outs or both be on the ins. He knows how to play that. He doesn't know how to play it when one's on the ins and one's on the outs. I mean, I guess he. I don't know. I've answered my question in previous episodes. He could just be mad because of the branding thing. Um, sure. So, and the fact that he's she's embarrassed him in a way that okay, like, nobody because that's yeah, the thing. Like, I largely he, agree with that. He sure. stuck out his neck with Chuck by, you know, not standing in Jimmy's way. So right. that blew up in his face. He's a little salty about it, and you know, I again, you know, when when Vince Gilligan says. Eh, it's more complicated than that. That that completely props up my theory that Chuck is manipulating Howard, not by any overt means, but by withholding and giving his approval at the decisions. And, and Howard's always trying to guess, Let's... what does Chuck want me to do? That's all I want to do. Is he going to walk into this and he's going to, I got to make sure the jelly donuts are just right. And, the you know, it's like he's just, it feels like he's the goddamn butler. He's always trying to anticipate, you know, what what uh, tie tack is he going to, and what cufflinks is he going to want, and what Vince Gilligan does when he speaks about character motivations is he allows room for a lot of different possibilities. To, so to say he's propping up your theory, I think, is maybe well, a little presumptuous. You know, I, I think he's. I allowing... am a little presumptuous. I'll have you know. <laughs> I think he's allowing room for your theory, which also allows room for my theory. Sure, sure. I just I gotta I gotta balance it out here. Uh, all right. Matthew L. said, I found myself wondering what the last bit with Mike was all about. The hose he's working on is presumably road spikes. Yep. But why does he go through the trouble of making it himself? I mean, can't the former cop with criminal connections just buy a stop strip? Then I started thinking about the lengthy sequence of Mike having his daughter help him make it. I came to the conclusion this is Mike's sweet yet demented way of bonding with his granddaughter. (laughs) Yeah. He loves her so much that he wants to include her on everything, which includes his criminal dealings. Mm. What he doesn't know is that this is actually, if only slightly, corrupting his granddaughter. This mm. also reminded me of the relationship between Kimmy and Jim and how this needs to include her in all aspects of his life will undoubtedly come back to bite them both. Okay. What do you guys think? Uh, I like that analysis of Kimmy and Jim. I think that's going to happen. But I don't think Mike has any intention of bringing Kaylee into also, his business. I think you overestimate the benefit of assembling your own illegal device to do illegal things versus using an underworld contract. Like, yeah, maybe you can rely on the veterinarian guy to give you a referral to get a black market stop strip. Uh, Or you can just make it with a hose. Yeah. Get Adam Savage it up. No, I'm fine with him making his own stuff here. Uh, Sure. It it feels... But the bonding was satisfying in a way. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I think the the uh, to me the the bonding with his granddaughter was a plus. That yes, not, he is doing that. Not the main reason that that's happening. Uh, yeah, I think he is bonding with his granddaughter, but he's not trying to push her toward a life of crime. Uh, Dylan A, whose betrayal do you think was worse, Chuck or Jimmy's? 
the meat and potatoes of this episode. I took both acts as one trying to help Jim, uh, Kim. Chuck seemed to think that Kim was under the sway of Jimmy as this invincible uh-huh. and out of her senses. I thought his decision was calibrated to crush Kim's decision to leave with Jimmy and then to return to HH&M as his idea of a respectable lawyer. I took Jimmy's act as one to help Kim by having HH&M be seen as incompetent in order for her to get the client back. His decision seemed based off of his emotional reaction to Kim's sadness while Chuck was more intellectually based. I hate to do this, but I'm leaning on the Chuck side. He may be paternalistic and outdated, like with his workplace discussion with Rebecca, but I can't see an outcome where Kim's life has improved with association with Jimmy. Those things wow. can also be true, but me still side. Well, I, I honestly, I don't have a side here. Because I, I think what Jimmy's doing is bad and is going to blow up in his face. And I think what J- Chuck is doing is unconscionable way to treat a respected colleague and a family member uh, who has cared I for view, you. I view Chuck's meddling. Let's call it what it is. He's meddling in Jimmy's life. Get, like, disown Jimmy. If you don't like what Jimmy's doing, say, fuck you, Jimmy. You're out of my life. Go do whatever you're going to do elsewhere. Yeah. He is, but he can't. And I know it's out of some sense of love and loyalty in to a degree. Well, it's also control. But it's also control, right. Yep. It is also him just being this this guy who has to have his hand in every pie and everything in his life. And I, it's like this, I can't it's like get the behind It's like funny situation that. where people get divorced, but they still want to have an opinion on what their ex-mate right. does. Right, right. Like, no, fucker, that's what this means. Divorce is, yeah. Yeah, like, I, we did this. Like, so if you, you have a kid, I get it, but, like... Yeah. But they don't have any reason to stay attached to each other nope. here. It's literally Chuck wanting to control Jimmy's life. And sure. that's the thing that gets me. And that's why I come down more on Jimmy's side than Chuck's side. Because Chuck's meddling. And Jimmy is responding to that meddling. Agreed. Uh, Dan from Manchester uh, has a, a ratings question. So as a viewer from the UK, I was intrigued by your ratings discussion last week. I'm unaware how many people in the US watch uh, via AMC over Netflix. Is it oh. possible that viewing figures have dropped because more people are tuning in through the Netflix subscription? No. I wonder if you've added the figures from Netflix, you would get a higher rated show. Unlike you people in the rest of the world, Netflix did not get season two of Better Call Saul right away. Well, and mostly, in most places don't. I think it was Australia got it. Did they? Yeah, one of the, one of the Netflix yeah. got got all of season well, but, two but here's the like, point. week by week. Netflix has changed my viewing habits and just the widespread availability of streaming because, like, I don't feel I'm missing out when I, in fact, I feel the opposite. I'm less inclined to jump in on a season one oh, because right. if I hear it's good, then I can binge it later. And I prefer, I, I prefer, bin- I straight up prefer binging everything. I do too. There's yeah. a couple things where, like, I don't know what the experience of binging the leftovers would be like. <laughs> Like it might be to where like God, I can only might watch end an episode with a gun in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I might. End, I can only do an episode or two a night. It's just too much. Yeah. But most things seem to be improved by the binge. Yeah, I. That's certainly how I prefer to watch stuff too. So now what? But it, I don't know what this does. Is so you get two. How many people? Like if Netflix didn't exist, would there be four million people watching? Because right now you got two something and change. And you got a, a, some undefined number of people that know they can get it all in one shot on Netflix and power through it in a weekend. Right. Does it reduce the live numbers or it's increase got, them? I mean, I know for a fact it does, but it's like, how does piracy but, affect? But the back end on that is like, oh, I caught it on Netflix and now it's coming back. So I'm going to go to the live version of it. Yes. Right? Like, it's, it's like it's a two way street. It's, it's, it's the piracy question. Does piracy right. help or hinder sales? And right. 
The answer is it depends, and it's complicated, and it's probably case-by-case basis. The answer to his question, though, zero people yes, in the U.S. In the are watching Netflix uh, season two right now. Now, like, is it available on iTunes next day? On uh, Amazon? So, yeah. If so, that's and I know there's a way that they can measure that because increasingly we're seeing ratings and then plus three and plus five, which is three day mm-hmm. and five day ratings, which I think count for how many people DVR it. Like I now that I'm doing right. this Banshee cast and I'm doing the the Walking Dead thing on Monday instead of Tuesday, I'm finding that I'm not watching Saul live. Yeah. Um. So I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm one less person watching. Not that the Nielsen's got a box in my house, but I'm one less person watching it live. I'm a plus one mm-hmm. now. So these are all interesting, and clearly it's enough that AMC's renewing it, and that's all that's important. Sure. So I'm, and that's, I'm happy. <laughs> that's all. Uh, no law talk this week. No law talk whatsoever, huh? Doug L's got a newborn. And there wasn't a lot of uh, like I the only I guess the only question I'd have is like what was all that legal paperwork? But it seemed pretty clear to me that it was a real estate deal. Right. There was an acquisition of a bank branch and all the attending paperwork. Yeah, some lighting stuff. Yeah, equipment going in. So how that what how that impacts is is going to be interesting. I hope it's a nail salon. It'd be so <laughs> hilarious. It would be, and then he can get it like. For on the cheap or something like Saul buys it. Oh, he gets all that expensive corporate lighting and the uh-huh. desks and all. Oh man, because they just want to get rid of that asset. Sure, sure, Jimmy, I mean, it's take a contract. It. You can't. Yeah, I I don't know how this is going to blow up in the face and like I and also like I've become more aware that you can freeze frame newspaper clippings and stuff, but like if it's shown for a half a second and you're not intended for the average person, they will make that clear in an episode or two. You don't okay. like if you want to be it's that Marvel. No, I, I do feel like all that stuff we've been in in Daredevil, it's going to be explicit eventually. Oh, right, but you don't get, like, the Iron Man callbacks. Yeah, the Easter like, eggs. Right. Yeah, you're right. The right. Easter eggs you don't get that way. But if it's important to the plot, uh, you know, you can be the Uber fan that freeze frames and gets the first step of the reveal. Uh-huh. But it's not necessary. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you want to do that, just go on Reddit. Every, sure. Everybody there is doing that. In fact, why are you even listening to this podcast? It's so much quicker <laughs> just to read the front page of r slash better call Saul or breaking bad or whichever uh, yeah but we're we're not posting our opinions there for sure so that's true so suck it uh <laughs> i feel like we're being really hostile to the listeners at this point are we I, there's been a string of ones this... that i haven't agreed with but, mm. but i'm not trying to say the listeners are stupid i'm just oh, saying no. i don't agree like yeah i see it differently yeah yeah and you know when you're trying to get a a, a fresh take sometimes you get off in the weeds a bit and again sure none of these things are factually wrong right that's the worst you can be when you just like didn't pay attention you just fucked it up which if we frequently are doing but... different emotional cues and different vibes like you know it's it's interesting stuff to talk about anyway that's all we got for mailbag right now uh cool. better castle at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com if you want to join in the conversation i think next episode is going to be a hot banger a hot banger of an episode, it's 209. Gonna be, there's going to be things come, flying off the rails and the roads, literally. I think so. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so we'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you.